Amen. Yeah, and I'll say thank you too because he's a good guy to have around. Not everybody can preach the gospel wearing a Dunder Mifflin t-shirt, but Pastor Ian can. You guys ready to get in the Word today? Good. Let me just do two things. Good morning, live stream. Uh, it is really good to have you with us. And also, um, good evening, Grand Blank House Campus Groups Plus Freedom Center Extension Church thing. Under the direction of Pastor uh, Jim Parkin and his wonderful wife, Carrie, the first lady of Grand Blank Assembly of God Groups Plus Church Extension House Campus. we got to come up with a better name. Or I need to learn what the name is. Maybe that's a better way to say that. So um, just let you guys know we had a baptismal service scheduled for next week. We will still be teaching on baptism, but, but give, us a, give us a minute to figure out whether or not baptizing is a good idea or not. There's something about putting a mask on somebody's face and putting them under the water that feels more like the CIA asking you a question. Are you, are you sure? We're going to get you close to Jesus one way or the other at Freedom Center Church, right? Come up many, many times. So uh, we have been so blessed in this last season, I, and I, I want to be very careful to give God all the glory for this because some of you guys know if you don't give God the glory, it's called bragging and God will remove his blessing. Guys get credit for what, what happens, not us, not me, not it. Not, I mean, it has to be him, right? But God has sent so many people to be born again in this last season. I cannot remember a time in recent memory. I mean, early on, everybody that walked in the door, you'd say, Mary had a little lamb, his name was Jesus. they go, I want him, you know? It was so easy. Fish just jumped in the boat. But then there was like a long season where it was almost like being a missionary. We have to build this thing and earn this trust and answer these questions. And little by little, kind of what Pastor Ian was saying, eventually one day they wake up and go, hey, I actually believe all the stuff that, you know, the pastors talk about. I'm, I must be now a, a believer, right? We've seen so many people make decisions on the spot for Jesus that I, I can't remember in recent memory. So today we're going to talk about now what. You're like, oh, I've been a believer for a long time. You need to know what's now because I'm going to tell them what's now and you're part of it. Come on, say amen. You can frown at me if you want. I can't see you. But uh, Dina told me you were happy anyway, right? So years ago, you know, he talked about the 2012, the big outreach, and the, I forgot about the Hero Dash. You guys know what the Hero Dash is? I ran there. You'd like this, Johnny. It killed everybody else. It was like this obstacle course. It was filled with smoke-filled tents, and you had to pick up a tackle dummy and carry it across it and climb up this wall and down the other thing. By the time people got done, they, like, slid across the finish line with, like, soapy, and, and most of the time, they kind of, they didn't just get up. Like, yeah, sometimes they just rolled over and vomited. <laughs> it was so much fun to watch, um, and it looks so miserable to do. But we had these huge outreach. Easter would go on. They had like 11 services for Easter, and, and you know, who wants Jesus? One, two, three, and they'd raise their hand. We got so excited because, you know, hundreds of people were coming to Christ, except it was interesting. The church wasn't growing by hundreds of people. So we started saying, okay, there's a disconnect. I want Jesus doesn't necessarily mean, and I want the church. Are you getting that? I want Jesus, I want to go to heaven, all my sins forgiven, I believe what you said, he rose from the dead, I'm in, does not mean I'll see you Sunday. And so we said, well, let's figure that out. Let's, let's have a card. They raise their hand and come forward, we'll give them a card, they'll fill it out, we'll call them. They didn't really want to be called. So we said, okay, they just don't know us, because we're awesome. They just knew us, they'd want to be us too. So we had them stand to their feet, leave the room, and there used to be a door there, go to the youth room, and have like Pastor Pat and Teresa Brady talk to them, pray with them right there on the spot, fill out the card, give them a Bible, come back to the class. You know how many people came back to the class? This many. 300 decisions, this many people took us up on the offer to come back and be a disciple. Like, okay, there's a huge disconnect. So for, for a season, we said, let's just not do anything. Let's, let's just kind of be us, and we'll figure this out. While we were figuring it out, we realized people who were raising their hand were coming to church when we didn't bother them. Does that make any sense to anybody else besides me? 
It's like, uh, yeah, we, we, want, we want to enter into this thing as we're comfortable. We, we want to come and sit in the back and think about it and listen to it and not be expected, not be asked to give, serve, stand up, pray up, speak up. We just want to shut up and hear whether or not we want to be a part of this. And those who did, people like, you know, Pastor Les and Denise Hathon, people like Pastor Ian and, you know, others, that they came in during that time and we, we kind of said, we are here for you. And so today we're going to talk about, uh, you know, the church and what Jesus meant when he said the, the church. I, I think that most people don't really know what happens on the inside of the building on Sunday morning, although they may think they do. Like, for example, what pictures come to mind when I say, I'm going to say several, so it's like, hey, he's being mean. I'm not, and I'm up there too, okay? When I say Baptist, you drive by Baptist church, people, I think, oh, I know what's going on in the Baptist church. I, I you know, I saw Footloose. I've heard Billy Graham. I watched Charles Stanley, right? And I know everything, but I don't have the right clothes to wear because Charles Stanley always wears a tie, and I do like dancing, and John Lithgow scares me. And, and I, I, so, you know, I, I think I know, it's, but they don't really know. How many guys know it doesn't matter what the sign says on the outside of the building. It matters who gathers on the inside. That's really what sets the, the church's flavor, if you will. So he's right by another one. says Catholic. like, well, I know what goes on there. I saw Princess Bride, and, you know, marriage. That blessed arrangement. That, and he's dressed with a big hat and, ah, and the, you know, the Vienna Boys Choir. Yeah, I know it's going And they're going to speak in Latin. I won't get any of it. I went to a friend's church once. It was Catholic. They're like all standing up and then they're kneeling down and fight, fight, fight. I have no idea what's happening. I'm an outsider. I know what goes on in Catholic church. I went once to a wedding. Like, you don't know what's going on at a Catholic church, you know? Or we say Lutheran. Well, it's, it's Catholic light. I mean, the robes aren't quite as flowing, but I still don't understand what's happening. It's, you know, or you say assemblies of God, or as we like to call it, the good old AG, right? I know what's going on in there. It's a, it's a bunch of gray-haired ladies screaming in tongues, passing rattlesnakes. It's like, no, it's, it's not. It's a gray-haired man screaming. You know, I'm kidding, right? And so we, we actually changed the name of the church because as people drove by, they saw assemblies of God or Baptist or Catholic or Lutheran. They said, I know what's going on inside there. Another reason we changed the church, it was hard to get a men's softball team together when Fenton Assembly of God was abbreviated on the back of their jersey. <laughs> so we came up with a name that, that just kind of, how would this offend anybody? Freedom Center Church. Like, I'm against freedom. Like, no, you're not. I'm against center and we actually was Freedom Center. Then we had to name it Freedom Center Church because people would Google search churches in Fenton because the name church wasn't in their name of our church. <laughs> they couldn't find us. <laughs> uh, I remember walking in the woods saying, God, is it Freedom Center? Speak to me, Lord. I, 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 you know, for 50 years, it's been that little, speak to me. And I, I clearly, and I don't say this often, but on like a hand or two, God spoke to me, not audibly, but I knew God spoke to me. God, is this the name of the church? And God said, I don't care what you call it. <laughs> I don't, I don't move through marketing, so you just call it Fred. I don't care. Like, I, I remember laughing at the words coming out. It's Freedom Center. God doesn't care, right? So Jesus said this. He said, on this rock, this profession of faith that Jesus is the Messiah that Peter had just given to him, Jesus, when he hears Peter say, you're the Christ, you're the Son of the living God, he goes, yep, and on this rock, I will build my what? Church. And the gates of hell don't have a snowball's chance in Vegas to beat it. Like, this is going to be the church. So what the church is supposed to be is very important because we can call a lot of things church that ain't church. We can call a lot of things that say that's not a real church, and it is. So we need to know what Jesus meant. when He made us a promise. What, what did he just promise mankind when he said those words? I will. 
I'm going to. Whether you're in it or not, I will. I am going to build my church. The word he used here is the word ecclesia, and it means the called out ones. Those who said, hey, come here, and they came, and then they're deeply committed to the one who called them, Jesus, and they're deeply committed to those who came with them, right? Now, here's the unfortunate kind of side effect. You, you fast forward to about 1607, we're getting our first English translation, the King James Bible. I mean, as I've heard of the King James Bible, the authorized 1611, started in 1607, was finished and authorized in 1611. They used, instead of the word ecclesia, they used the Germanic, uh, German Germanic uh, transliteration of that, and it's the word kirch. It doesn't mean those who are called from out of into and are committed. It means it's an institution that demands commitment from everybody who chooses to be involved. And do you, do you see the difference? Come on, do you see the difference? There, there's a difference from come here because we need you. Come here because if you don't, you're a bad person. Come here because we need what you have to do what we do, and this institution is more important than you are. There's a difference between that and God has called us, given us, and now we are in a position to give what God has given us. It, it's, it's completely different. One, you're, you're funneling heaven into you and through you to the world. One is you're grabbing people, bringing them in, and that's pretty much where it stops. So when it was translated, the word church, I mean, there's no like hip word for ecclesia, right? But when Jesus said, I will build my church, he said, I will build the ecclesia. I will not build the church. You can put a steeple on it. You can put crosses all over the wall. You can sing songs about me, but I'm not going to a church because a church takes from people at their expense. The ecclesia receives from God and gives it away free of charge. That's, that's the purpose of it, right? There was a time, and you gotta hear me, there was a time when a small group of believers, freshly minted, didn't know anything but Jesus, people got together in an upper room, and on the day of Pentecost were filled with the Holy Spirit, and the ecclesia, those who had been called out of and filled and now are being sent out, this is what it looked like in Acts chapter two, verse 42. If I ever rename the church again, let's just call it 242, what do you say? I think it'd be an awesome name for a church. Or the river, or the rock, or the tree, or whatever it is, right, right? says this, they devoted themselves. What was, what was their posture? They, they casually from time to time in Christmas Eve. And, no, they were, there's a devotion. They were, they were into this. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers, how many believers? All of them were together and had everything, how much? So all had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Who told them to do this, by the way? Anybody order them to do that? They just did it. Isn't that cool that when Jesus shows up and his spirit fills his people, stuff just happens, right? Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. I don't know about you, but I'm glad food is very much a part of this, right? They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. Like, we can learn a lot from these folks. We can learn a lot from them, right? Three things I really want to focus on today in this simply this. Number one is this. We, everybody say we, have a commitment to you. Everybody say you. Who's the we? We is those who are here. This is our church. We've been here for a week, a day, a month, a decade, a quarter century. We are here, we're committed to you. Who's the you? The you is anybody that's walking through the door going, I, I raised my hand, or maybe I haven't yet. I, I give my life to Jesus, or maybe I'm still asking questions. But we, this, is not, this doesn't divide us, this just makes sure that everybody understands what they're supposed to be doing here. Does that make sense? There's no we that's better than, than they, but we, the church, the ecclesia, those who've been called out of belief, this is the place that God wants to serve in, in cooperation and in unity with other believers. We are committed 
to you. Anybody that's watching online thinking, should I go to Freedom Center? Anybody that's here today, like, I, you know, I come once or twice a year. Anybody that's like, you got a major drug problem. Your mama keeps dragging you to church over and over and over again. Listen, we are committed to you. Look at what it says in Acts chapter 2, verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Now, just hear me out. What that means to me is this. The, they devoted themselves because people who were there were already devoted to something. If there was no apostolic teaching, then there was nothing for them to devote themselves to. But because they were here first, they did what they needed to do. So as people showed up, they were ready for them, right? Ministry came from those who were already there. Those who were there first got out of the way if they were in the way of those who were there second. And we can actually get this wrong. Somebody say amen. Somebody say oh my, right? Again, the church. Here's the church model. The church is this. In order to belong, you have to believe what we believe is true. Matter of fact, let's be very careful here. If at some point you don't believe what we believe and you question it, you are now questionable. If, if you don't believe what we say we believe around here, what are you saying? We don't know what we're talking about? What are you saying? You think your grandmother got it wrong? Your father got it wrong? You think I got it wrong? We are, listen, if you are insulted by questions about your faith, you better check your heart. Because if they're asking questions, we must be doing something right. If they're doubting, they are growing in their faith. My faith doesn't help you. My faith can inspire you, but when you go off to college, you better have your own faith. When you join the Marine Corps, you better have your own faith. When you get married, you better have your own faith. My faith is, will not be there when sickness strikes your home. Your faith will be there. And so we develop our faith, right? You gotta believe, and you've gotta behave, you know? Around here, we dress a certain way. Around here, we don't do certain things. Around here, we don't use certain words. I mean, Pastor Jim does, but only on Sunday morning, and, and it's highly questionable, right? Like, just, you know, just to get the attention of the sinners. That's probably what I'm doing, coming all things to all men, right? And if you believe what we tell you to believe without question, and you behave the way we've decided our values are gonna be, although our values have changed quite a bit. I mean, you guys remember the suit and tie days? I remember the hymnal days. God wouldn't bless a church that doesn't wear suits and ties and sing out the hymnal. And then we started singing an overhead you know, projector off the wall stuff, you know? And then you get to belong. Well, that's the church model, right? What's the ecclesia model? The ecclesia, Jesus said, you belong first. This is gonna blow your mind. But think of this. Everybody that Jesus called to be his disciple, all of them, Peter, James, John, Judas, Bubba, Fred, Barney, Wilma, everybody, none of them were Christians when he called them his disciples. Isn't that interesting? You are my disciple, they don't believe that Jesus is the Messiah. You are my disciple. They flunked out of rabbinical school at five. You are my disciple. Their nickname was the Sons of Thunder. These are not peacemongers. These are people that at the drop of a hat or a tunic or whatever they had in those days, they would go to blows, right? So they, you belong first. Now, if you belong and, you, and you, you belong to Jesus and Jesus talks the way he talks, he does the stuff that he does, he, he thinks the way he thinks, and you watch that, eventually what happens is belonging leads to believing. Do you see that? Well, you know, Jesus, you pray a certain way, we pray a certain way. When you pray, stuff happens. When we pray, it bounces off the, the walls and comes back to us. Would you teach us? And so Jesus is... Ability to say, I love you regardless, you're welcome here regardless, your family regardless, led to them seeing and then asking questions, not questioning Jesus, asking Jesus questions. Your marriage is different from mine. Not, this is not Jesus anymore, obviously. I, I'm in a Mormon church. No, you're not. Um, if you don't know Mormonism, that wasn't funny. 
the, the four of you that chuckled, thank you. It made me feel better. In Arizona, that was hilarious. In Michigan, you're like, okay, right? So they belong, they believe, and eventually, how many of you guys know that what we truly believe, we truly live? So behavior, we would expect after a sense of belonging, after the, the experience of believing, now we're going to begin the process of behaving. Does this make sense to you? So we can get this wrong, right? We have a commitment to you. I want you to know that. We, whoever we are, have a commitment to you, whoever you are. This is what we do here. We create an environment where everybody can ask every question they want. I don't think that, I don't like that, like, call me. I will buy the coffee to have a wonderful theological conversation with you. I, I love teaching. <laughs> I love pastoring. I'm not in this for the money and the fame. I love it, right? Second thing I need you to know is this. We have a commitment to each other. Come on, somebody say amen. And can I say this too? People that are coming in need to see that commitment that we have to each other. Let's not make it a secret. We are committed to each other. Back to Acts chapter 2, it says this. They devoted themselves, dot, 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 so we've, this is all one statement, but they still, they devoted themselves, right, apostles' teaching, to fellowship, I love the word fellowship, to the breaking of bread, I love breaking bread, I love luckies, and to prayer. The word here, fellowship, is the word koinonia, and it paints this really neat picture. It's, uh, it's, it's like we're gonna have a potluck, but, but the meal is our lives. But we're all gonna bring what we have into this common table and we're going to put it there so others can consume it. I'm bringing me. Think of it this way. Paul says in 1 Corinthians, talks about the body of Christ. So some are hands, some are eyes, some are ears. So all the ears gather over here because all the ears are the ears and we hear. No one else is like us because we're ears and we hear. Actually, they couldn't get Hand, walk us over if you would. Like throw us towards where all the other ears are. And here comes, you know, Cousin It or whatever that, you know, thing was in the Adams family. I'm so old. I'm sorry, right? But it wasn't that. It was like, let's get the hands and the ears and the eyes and the feet and the legs and the torsos and the armpits and the belly buttons. Let's all together. Look, everybody, this is the body of Christ. We're all different parts of it. This is the body of Christ. Now, believe it or not, um, unity has been a struggle since day one. I, I love the awkward. <laughs> and, and Tammy, like, yes, Jesus, please, right? Like, like for instance, early on, we were in Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter, was it 5 or 6? We have, we have the accusation of racism in the church. There's widows, and widows are those who have no family to care for them. They are on their own, and, and if no one cares for them, they'll go hungry. They, they have, there's no social security checks. There's no programs that the Roman government provided for conquered people. Families took care of families. Well, if there was no family, and this poor lady was there in the world all by herself, the church said, well, we'll take care of you. Like, Jesus would take care of her. So we will take care of her. Does that make sense? And so what happened was they put together the daily distribution of food. Everybody brought, remember they were bringing stuff, they're selling it, they're putting it, and there's this common pot. Well, people would come to the common pot and they'd say, here, are you widow? Here's some bread, here's some cheese, here's a, you know, coupon to Taco Bell, what, just eat, right? And, and they ate, but during the daily distribution of food, the Grecian widows, the Gentiles, the Greek widows, were being overlooked. Nobody thinks it's, you know, like on, on purpose, but rightly so, you know, the Greeks kind of said, hey, you know, Greeks, wives matter. <laughs> and so the Jews kind of retorted back, well, you know, all, all wives matter. I, I, and do you, see, do you see what can happen next? You probably can't. But, but think of it culturally. And what happened was the apostles stepped in and said, we have a problem. There are people feeling neglected and left out because they're being neglected and left out. And so what we're going to do now is appoint, choose from amongst yourselves 
Men known to be full of the Spirit, known to be full of wisdom, and we're going to delegate this to them. If you'll notice, the people they delegated to were all Greeks. Every name that's on there were all Greek people. So he didn't say choose from among yourselves. He said choose from among the Greeks, Greek people. And the Greek men that you choose will come to the daily portion of food that's there. They'll take whatever those widows need, and they'll make sure this never happens again. Isn't that beautiful? Jesus was preeminent, not the race of the believers drop okay next thing meat sacrificed to idols huge problem because in order to be uh, someone who sold meat in the marketplace you had to sacrifice to roman gods so here's you know you throw a little incense on the altar for apollos a little bit for zeus you went in there and you sold your burgers right well that meat was sacrificed to idols well there's this debate and there's some very spiritual people saying listen man that stuff was sacrificed to idols it's 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 contaminated it's got cooties it's that is demonic meat how many of you guys don't want that guy dating your daughter, right? Demonic. That, that guy's just like a demon, just like, no. So what happens is they end up saying, well, some people say, it's a, it's a rock. It's a piece of wood. It's an idol. A man made that. There's nothing powerful about it. Let's not make an idol more powerful than God. We are sanctified through Jesus Christ, and so we can eat anything we want to. And there's a debate that goes on. Can you see where it's going to end up in a, in a division? Because there are those that believe you can, and there's those that believe you can't. So Paul steps into it. Everybody, shut your pie hole for just a second. Stop talking and listen. Here it is. If you believe that eating meat sacrificed to idols is wrong, then don't eat it. If you believe that eating meat sacrificed to idols isn't wrong, then eat it. Both of you should be grateful in your hearts to the goodness of Jesus, not the regulations of the law and culture, right? But I would also say this. If you believe it's okay to eat the meat, please don't eat a cheeseburger sacrificed to Zeus in front of somebody that thinks it's wrong. Like, how many of you guys know that we should be more sensitive to Christ in us and Christ through us than we are about my rights in Christ? Your rights can lead you to some pretty wrong places, even in Jesus. You still here? So what would that be like today? I don't know. I mean, some people believe a glass of wine is no big deal. Some people believe it, it is a big deal. I'm, I'm on the big deal side because I used to be an alcoholic. My arteries were clogged with meat sacrificed to idols. So if, if I'm with you, please don't offer me a glass of wine. I, I don't want to be offered. I don't want to see you drink it. I'm concerned about you. My faith doesn't allow that. If your faith does, so be it. So you're getting this? But let's not let it divide us. I was talking to somebody the other day. Literally, vocational ministry on the line. I'm thinking about being this in this organization, but I got this one line. I have to sign a card that says I won't drink again. And, you know, I, I drink a glass of wine once every two, three years. And I could, I'm not going to sign it because I don't want to be a missionary with this organization. I'm like... What? Listen, if you can't serve Jesus because of your rights, let me just stop. I'll move on. Paul or Apollos? Am I doing okay? You guys all right? Some of you guys are really tense. Are you still back there? The Greeks' wives matter. All right. Paul or Apollos? Paul or Apollos, right? Paul was the apostle that came and said, this is the gospel people believed. Apollos was the fatherly person that came behind and watered the seeds that Paul had planted. And this division happened. I like Paul better than Apollos. I like Apollos better than Paul. You say, why, why do you like Paul? Because he's going to make you know, Israel great again. Why do you like Apollos? Because he's going to build us back better. I'm glad none of this stuff exists today, but back when they were really lost, when the church first started, but they divided over personalities. They divided over issues of morality. They divided over race. And the last one is circumcision or not. The ladies were like, you know, it's in the Bible. Guys are like, it's the Old Testament. The last prayer that Jesus prayed in peace was this. 
before he was arrested, flogged, crucified, and died. The last prayer he had before the torches and the clubs and the swords showed up was this. Father, I pray not only for those that are my disciples, but I pray for all who believe because of their message. Let them be one, Holy Father, as we are one. Them and me and me and you, let them be one. Can, Can you hear the echoing of a man who's sweating drops of blood, praying for 2,000 years that comes into this room today and say what's more important than issues that divide us is the one who unites us. Paul, if you have any grace, if any comfort, any joy from being united in Christ, then make my joy complete. Be one in mind. Be one in spirit. Jesus teaching people this. He said, you know, if, if you guys will get this right, All men will know that you're my disciples if you love each other. Not if you agree, if you love each other. Let me say that again. Not if everybody thinks the same thing, but if everybody decides Jesus is more important than what we think. If if they do that, all men will know that you're my disciples if you love each other. Let Let me just reverse engineer that. If all men will know we're disciples if we love each other, then what if we don't love each other? Then what will all men really know about us? Can I just can I just reverse engineer that for a second? You guys okay? Online, they're like, I'm going to watch the masters. Sit right there and listen, listen to the words of the master. Like, get this. If all men will know we're disciples and we love each other, if we don't love each other, all men will know that we're not. And, and you say, well, I'm going to heaven. I'm not talking about going to heaven. I'm talking about being his disciple. The follower of Jesus Christ will not be argumentative. How do you know that? Because Paul said, and the Lord's followers must not argue. Right? When Christianity, and you, please hear me. If you hear nothing I, I say all day, if I've hurt your feelings and offend you, just hear this, okay? When Christianity has been reduced to a social cause, whatever that social cause is, when Christianity has been reduced to a cause, it always splinters apart. When Christianity is the process of people following Jesus, it always finds a way to hold it together, always. It always finds a way for Grecian widows and Jewish widows. It always finds a way for those who meet and those who don't eat meat. It always finds a way for those who are circumcised and those who are uncircumcised. It always finds a way. Listen, we need to always find a way. What's that way? When he who unites us is greater than that which divides us, we will be one. And this is for our pet doctrines. This is for the labels on the outside of our buildings. This is for whether or not we have a big cross on the building or a little cross or there's Jesus hanging on the cross or it's an empty tomb. Or it's a, this, when we finally decide Jesus is more important than everything, then we will have everything in common with those who believe that Jesus is more important than everything. They took really good care of each other to the place of sacrificing, right? If Jesus was more important, they worked it out. And if Jesus, was, if Jesus wasn't more important, they split apart just like we will today, just like we do today. That's been going on for 2,000 years. Those who let Jesus solve it, solve it. And those who don't, splinter off in their own little groups and call themselves their own little whatevers, and we're the only ones that really have the truth. Like, some people are going to be surprised at who's in heaven. And I think some of us are going to be surprised at who isn't. So let's, let's just keep our eyes on Jesus. We doing good? Last thing I want you to know is we have a commitment. We have a commitment to learning together, growing together as we bring the kingdom of God to the earth. Wonders and signs, verse 43, and the Lord added their number daily, verse 47. In other words, the, the blessed became a blessing. The blessed became a blessing. Piano guy, join me if you would. The blessed became a blessing. They took their energy and became a blessing. They took their resource and became a blessing. They took what they'd learned and they became a blessing. The blessed became a blessing. All that devotion to apostolic teaching, all that fellowship, all that breaking of bread, all that prayer, all that sacrifice, the blessed became a blessing. 
we, they positioned themselves where blessings were going on, and then they took that blessing. Instead of saying, we are so blessed, I'm glad we're not like other people, they took their blessing, and they took the risk of giving it away. They found needs, and they filled them. They fed these widows. They, they uh, cared for these orphans. They, they found people that weren't like them and treated them as if they were family. Why? Because the blessed became a blessing. We believe, I believe this, guys. I believe every community needs an ecclesia. I think every community would be better off with a church that believes what I've talked about today. How about you? I think that Argentine would be better if it had 10 of these. I, I think Linden would be better if it had 10 of these. I think Byron only needs one. But I, but I, think, I think that Grand Blanc would be better if there's like 20 of these and Flint would be better with like 100 of these and, and uh, Tyrone Township would be better. How many of us believe that if there were people that loved Jesus and loved each other, the world would be a different place today? See, the hope of the world is not the next governor, the next president, the next city councilman. The hope of the world is you. And what the world is waiting for, whether they know it or not, is not some elected Messiah, but for someone to bring the Messiah into their lives. And so the church is a very important place. It, it, it's, we are not a joke to Jesus. We should not be a joke to anybody else, right? We need to uphold the bride of Christ with honor. We, we need to understand that each of us brings something very important. You say, Jim, I just, dude, I just got here and I'm suffering and I'm lost and I'm hurting. You don't get it. You are so welcome here because people that were hurt and suffering and lost a year ago are waiting to give away what Jesus has given them to someone who needs it. You may be the most important person in the room. The person with the greatest need validates the process and the hell everybody else has been through. Your testimony, reaching out to those that are going through the exact same test, validates it wasn't all for nothing. When God connects the dots of your life in someone else's life, how many of you guys know, this is what Jesus was talking about at the well of Samaria. I, I have bread that you guys don't know anything about yet. <laughs> My bread is to do the will of the one who sent me. I get that there's things that we should be talking about. I get that there's controversies. I get that there's race and morality and preferences. I, I get all, I really do. But the day that becomes more important than Jesus is the day that it needs to be dethroned from your life, detached, pruned, removed. And I would just call us, we, to be very careful in how we live because they are making decisions about whether or not they want to be a part of us. And can we just stop talking about 2020 now? Can this just be the final word on that? How many guys are ready to move into 2022? Okay, all right. But I, I really felt like I needed to come back one time and just say that. There are so many people giving their life to Jesus, and they're making that decision. I've given my life to Jesus. I'm born again. How many guys know they need to be a part of a church? We are were, we were created to live in community. I pray that this community is ready, that we are ready for them until them become we. And then we are ready for them, whoever them is. Those who are here first, purify your lives and live in such a way that Christ can say amen to the words you say, the words you type, the, the, the thoughts of our heart. Because when that happens, we will be the church that Jesus can point his finger at and say, do you see that bride with no spot, no blemish, no wrinkle? How many of you know that's an invitation from the Holy One of Israel to be holy as he is holy? So Father, I thank you today, whether we're here kind of like uh, ready to join Jesus or ready to join the, the ecclesia. Uh, this is not a church. It is, I pray boldly that it would be closed and its doors would be burned and it's, it would become a shopping mall. Let condos be on the site of this property if we don't get this right. 
We don't deserve the word church. We don't deserve the word ecclesia if we're not willing to do this. God, enough of the cursing. Would you bless the bride of Christ to be positioned to display to all who see disciples that love one another. Disciples who love one another. Disciples who love one another. Father, I pray if there's somebody here today like, I I need to get right with God. And in the closing moments of the service, let them get right with God. If you're here today and you're like, Jim, my, my commitment to anything needs to start with my commitment to Jesus. He fully committed to me, gave his life on a cross, fully committed to me, defeated everything that defeated me, fully committed to me, rose from the dead on the third day, fully committed to me, sent his Holy Spirit, fully committed to me, created this thing called the ecclesia, so I, I could be at home, I could have a family on earth, I could watch the elders and learn what it looks like to be mature and wise, I could watch my brothers and sisters and see what it looks like to be loving and, and merciful, like I, I, I want, I need, I, my desire is to be right before the Lord today, and I'm not. If you're here today, heads are bowed, eyes are closed, we're going to give you a moment of just privacy. But if you're here, you're like, I, I want to give my life to Jesus as Jesus has given his life to me. I, I don't want to add him to my life. I want to take away all of my yesterdays. I want him to make me brand new, born again, fresh start, clean slate. And I want him to birth all, all my tomorrows. I need a destiny. I need a destiny. You would be joining dozens of people that recently have said, yeah, I want that. If that's you, in a moment, I'm going to ask you just to raise your hand. Again, heads are bowed, eyes are closed. It's between me, you, and the eyes of God. When you raise that hand as an act of faith, today's the day, Lord, I'm coming home. I believe the angels rejoice in heaven because the Bible says they do. I believe Jesus rejoices in heaven like, like the shepherd who has a sheep that wanders off and finds that one sheep and rejoices, rejoices. Yay, they came home. Yay, I found them. Yay, they're not lost anymore. If you're here today, and you're like, that's me. Jesus, find me here. Find me now. If that's you, raise your hand right now all over this room. Yeah, God bless you. Right on. Today's my day. God bless you. Wonderful. Today's my day. I love that. God bless you. Father, I pray for every uplifted hand because it's attached to an open heart that says, come inside and save me. I pray you do that right now. Save them. Every uplifted hand, every open heart, save us, all of us. Father, I pray that a church that will display the glory of God to the world would rise from the ashes of 2020 into the glory of 2021 and 2022. Anything that tempts to divide us, we now take every thought captive. We make it obedient to Christ. It's not a negotiation. It's a beating. We destroy it. If Jesus is not more important than our words, then we should be quiet until our words are important like Jesus's. And we repent. We refocus, we renew our commitment to the person sitting beside, behind us, beside us, in front of us. Let us be the church that welcomes these dozens of people and more just now, in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Amen. Hi, my name's Jim, and I'm your friend. I think about getting shirts. Greeks' lives matter? No? Probably not, probably not, probably not, probably not. All right. Why don't you stand to your feet, please, if you would, and uh, we are going to dismiss you carefully. Now, guys, hear me. We knew how to do this a month ago, and uh, the B117 changed all the rules. So the hanging out, if you want to hang up, 
all the fresh air and sunshine you can handle out there. But in here, please, we're going to ask everybody to leave so we can spray the juju around this room and get everything sanitized. And please be very careful. Keep six feet between you and the people around you as you leave. You are dismissed. Take them out the doors, dismissing people. Now, don't leave until you're dismissed. Your role will be there until someone comes to get you. But as they come to get you, get God. Get gone.